the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on this beautiful Saturday, August 20th. 2022. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one today, so uh, let me tell you real quick who's on so we can get to our first uh, guest. Uh, we've got uh, Miss Bethany Blankley, who is uh, a writer and reporter for Center Square. She's going to be chatting with us uh, as to uh, what she sees as the big issues related to the border and uh, how she is reporting it. Uh, she is really, really on target with a lot of stuff. Uh, next, we have Mr. Bob Bishop, who is a forensic investigator, a gentleman that I've been working with closely lately. He's got some heavy, heavy information, my friends, about the city of San Antonio and the um, uh, Migrant Center. Next is Mr. Sal Martinez, former DEA agent and author, and uh, he's going to be chatting about the, um, the, the uh, terrible fight or battle that's, uh, battles that have erupted between the cartels in Mexico. Uh, also, Jason Jones is also going to be resp- next, and he's uh, going to be talking about uh, the um, uh, cartels as well, and uh, the, I mean, really, really awful uh, things that they are doing to each other as well as to the people around them. Uh, Jason, of course, is a border reporter uh, with Newsmax, so you'll want to hear what they've got to say, my friends. Uh, I hope that you will call your friends and tell them to join us. This is going to be a very, very interesting show, my friends, because we've got a lot of things happening both at the border and inside the, uh, well, in, in San Antonio as well as other cities as the border crisis moves into the interior of our country. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, we've got a new uh, a new guest with us, Miss Bethany Blanke. Uh, and she writes for Center Square, uh, which is a major uh, a major wire service. Uh, they uh, cover something like 120,000 <laughs> uh, uh, publications. And uh, which includes she, her work is on uh, TV, radio, and uh, other print media. But um, I wanted to get her on. She covers, she writes a lot about politics, Texas politics, including the border. And uh, I have met her at a couple of border events lately. And uh, I wanted to get her thoughts uh, as, uh, as someone who is covering, because obviously a lot of the other folks uh, who cover the, the, the border are not writing it quite uh, as... Uh, straightforward as she does but uh bethany welcome to the show thank you for taking time to be with us uh tell me uh what have you seen in the time that you've been covering the the uh the border and texas politics what uh, what are you seeing hi george thanks so much for having me on it's bethany blankley with the center square and it's been a privilege to write for them um, you know, our top stories are in 120,000 publications every day. It's a wire service that competes with the AP. And our mission is to report the facts. And so the facts are that the border is wide open. And Texas law enforcement are tasked with a Herculean endeavor to thwart criminal activity that is coming straight through the border. And as you have seen, they're walking right across the Rio Grande River into Texas. And uh, our law enforcement, it's not just at the border, but it's several hundred miles away, where law enforcement are apprehending cartel operatives. They're finding drug smugglers and human smugglers in places that they really haven't seen them before. 
And, um, you know, this is not an immigration issue where people, the majority of people are coming in and claiming asylum or making immigration claims. What law enforcement have told me is what keeps them up at night are the gotaways. And so I've been writing a lot about the gotaway numbers, and those are the people who are described by Customs and Border Patrol agents and law enforcement as those who intentionally enter the country illegally, not through ports of entry, and they are seeking to evade law enforcement because they either have a criminal record or think something in their background would prevent them from being allowed in. And so their purpose is to enter the country illegally, not make any kind of immigration claim, and then they're the ones who are committing crimes along the way. If it's trespassing or theft or kidnapping or drugs, those kinds of things. And so that's that's what I've been trying to differentiate between um, the kinds of people who are coming in, as has been described to me by law enforcement, and what they're up against. What, uh, what in speaking to people on the border, because I have seen you in Kenny County, for example, in speaking to these folks, uh, do you see a certain desperation within their, within their uh, frame of discussion because uh, the federal government is just not doing too much? Um, I would say courage. You know, these people are put into a situation they never asked for, and they're doing what real Texans do. They're standing up for... Uh, they're standing up for the Constitution. They're standing up for Texas. Um, Brent Smith has really led the charge, Kenny County Attorney Brent Smith. Um, his family comes from one of the old 300. And uh, what he's doing has been very inspirational to others, other judges, others in law enforcement, other sheriffs. And so, you know, it's a very small county with 16 or 17 miles sharing the border of Mexico. Um, they've, it's been relatively peaceful. And as you know, they're dealing with just an implosion of crime. And so they're stepping up to defend their home, to defend their county and to defend this country, to defend the state, and to defend this country. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before in the history of Texas. No. Well, in our in our lifetime. Yeah, when I report, uh, when I have reported or written about uh, the border, uh, I sometimes get folks from uh, uh, outside the state uh, who uh, can't believe that it's that bad. Do you get that kind of uh, reaction? Um, well, I have friends that are in New Jersey and New York and Chicago, and so I have a little bit different perspective because they're dealing with crime that stems from cartels all the time. And um, I had a family member call me about a friend who was in, I want to say Newark or New Brunswick. I think it might have been Newark, and, which is in New Jersey. And they were getting their toddler out of the car, and somebody drove into the driver's door. So the door was open in the car. Someone drove into the driver's door, drove it right off the car. And if he hadn't taken the child out or whatever he could have been killed and it turns out that the person who did that was an illegal alien from mexico driving a stolen car from pennsylvania with fake plates so uh, there was another person in new jersey whose son was killed by an illegal from el salvador and i can go through all kinds of stories because they are feeling it in major inner cities in other states so i get a different perspective because i have friends all over the country in major cities who are constantly calling and telling me about crimes that are happening in their area, and it's coming from the border. So that's, it's very real to them. That's very, very interesting because, um, you know, while everyone continues to focus on uh, the people crossing the border, um, there should be more focus, in my opinion, on what is happening in the interior now, particularly since we've got almost 2 million people that have entered uh, this fiscal year. Um, the uh, the situation with uh, with crime uh, is one thing, but um, you know the resources and everything else. Uh, it, it it's also going to take a toll, don't you think? Yes, and you see that with the mayors in D.C. and New York complaining because all of these children are going into the public school system. And New York has something different, which is a housing law, which requires them to provide housing um, for for everybody. So you can't be on the street. And I, the irony is is that they're putting people they can't house on buses and sending them elsewhere. So while they're complaining about getting buses of people in New York, they're also busing them out of New York. That's amazing. Uh, the city of uh, Nashville yesterday announced that they are going to uh, put out some, uh, some type of, of uh, license plates. And uh, the license plates will 
they want to be sure that the license plate numbers are not used to identify uh, illegal aliens, that uh, the license plates in some form or fashion uh, are neutral on, uh, on the issue of uh, immigrant status. Uh, these sanctuary communities, do you think that they're ever going to wake up? Yes, we have um, an unfortunate situation in Houston where a woman um, who voted for Biden says she regrets having voted for him because her daughter was killed by an illegal and he wasn't deported. So she learned a very difficult, painful reality of illegal immigration that resulted in the death of her daughter. And you can talk to anybody who's a victim or who has a family member who was killed by someone and they'll be the first to tell you that it wasn't just the illegal who killed them, but it was the federal government who did by bringing in these people. That's incredible. That is incredible. Uh, we're gonna we're going to uh, uh, conclude in a few moments here, but uh, I wanted to get your perspective since you do cover Texas politics and uh, the race for governor, according to some uh, publications, is getting tighter. Uh, do you think it is? And, and what are the issues that are most concerning that you hear from Texans? Well, I just wrote about it. I don't know if the story is up or not, but the, the poll difference is 7%. So Abbott is leading a work. Uh, Governor Abbott is running for re-election for his third term, and he's running against Congre- Democratic former Congressman Better O'Rourke, uh, who tried to run against Senator Cruz for Senate and lost, and ran for the presidential democratic presidential uh nominee and lost and so abbott had been leading her work by i want to say maybe 15 percent as of last year and now that has narrowed to seven percent and i think the issue for uh democrats that's motivating them is the abortion ban after the roe v wade ruling and or after the supreme court overturned roe v wade and then the second thing is the shooting in Uvalde. So even though that is not Abbott's fault, people are blaming Abbott over that. And um, and the other issue, too, is when you look at um, polls among Texans or even with the legislature, again, this is it's easy to blame Abbott for everything. But when you look at polls among Texans or uh, what the legislature chose to do in terms of the heartbeat bill, they were representing their constituents, and people overwhelmingly do not support. Um, they do not support killing babies. They don't support abortion on demand. They don't support um, what has become being able to kill babies up until after birth. And so this this radical far left agenda has brought. Democrats supporting a heartbeat bill. This was a bipartisan bill that passed in the Texas legislature that the governor signed. Wow. Um, let me uh, conclude, and let me ask you once again to tell the folks where they can follow you, and uh, where they can, um, well, where they can follow you and read and read the articles that you that you write. Uh, it's the Center Square, the centersquare.com, their website. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is Bethany Blankley, Beth A-N-Y, blank L-E-Y. I'm not really on social media as much as I used to be because of all the censorship, um, but I am on Twitter, and you can also sign up for my stories through an email on the Center Square website. Hi. I cover Texas and Florida and a lot of different national issues. Wonderful. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, Bethany. We'll we'll be sure to get you back on because uh, we're I, I really, really enjoy getting getting your perspective on things. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP nine thirty AM radio, the answer here in San Antonio, and uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Bob Bishop. Uh, once again on the show because uh, we are continuing to have some problems in the transparency of uh, trying out, trying to find out who is serving and how are they serving the illegal aliens. Uh, for some background, let me make sure that everyone understands that we have seen the the multitude of people crossing the border, crossing the river into the United States. What we now need to do, folks, is focus on what is happening in our communities. Where are they going? Who is servicing them? What uh, money is being used, et cetera, et cetera. 
Bob, welcome to the show. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the lack of transparency that we are seeing. You know, it's you know, you never see anything in the news media talking about who are the players. In fact, you don't even see the migrant center even in the news anymore. But I went ahead and and uh, did the Open Records Act with the city, and it was kind of interesting what I found on some of the contracts. And one of them that really drew my attention was the Family Endeavors. And the Family Endeavors used to be an organization, a nonprofit built around its original mission of serving the retired military veterans and their families. But it's it's taken on a new mission, which is much, much bigger than that. And um, what I found in the Open Records Act is Family Endeavors is receiving 25% of the $10.7 million FEMA contract for six months. And it was a no-bid contract, no less. And the contract is stated that it's the ICF Hotel. Well, the ICF stands for Standing for... Uh, immediate care facility. So I don't know if they're renting hotels or what. I'm asking for the contract so that we can see what kind of services they're providing. But you know what makes it really unusual, George, is is that what they've done back after Biden got into office, Endeavors got an OIG contract, no bid for the migrants and hotels <clears throat> back in the early. Uh, 2021, and then the OIG came in and audited it and said that there was $17 million in waste on the contract. And then weeks after getting them that contract, they got another contract that was no bid for $789 million to build facilities for holding migrant children in custody. Okay, let me hold you right there. Give us that number for a no-bid contract. Now, folks, a no-bid contract is one where just one par- one party is uh, is bidding, and of course they are awarded. Give us that number for that one bid contract, no bid contract. Seven hundred and eighty nine million dollars. Oh my gosh! Continue, my man. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, we expect an OIG audit to be released in twenty twenty three. One of the interesting aspects of it is is an individual, an attorney named Andrew Lorenz Strait. And he formerly worked for ICE from 2012 to 2019, and then after that he worked for the notorious Lutheran charity that specialized in unaccompanied minors. So what he did is, is after he left the Lutheran charity, he went and worked with the Biden uh, transition team, and then the day that Biden was sworn in, He became an employee of Endeavor as the Senior Director of Migrant Services. Now, what I find interesting is that he still lives in in, in Metro D.C. So if you think about it, he's almost like a uh, a lobbyist, a highly paid one on their payroll. So there's been a lot of controversy around the the, uh, no-bid contract. Homeland Security labeled the deal as unusual and a compelling urgency as the base for their decision. Well... What's happened is is they had American Accountability Foundation filed a lawsuit against DHS and ICE for not complying with the FOIA. They wanted the information of the contracts and the communication between uh, Lorenzo Strait and uh, the nonprofit with ICE and DHS. This is all with regards to the San Antonio uh, the San Antonio. Uh, uh, illegal alien center or whatever you want to call it. Well, it doesn't relate to to it, it relates to the seven hundred eighty nine million dollar contract. Gotcha. Yes. And, and, and where I'm heading with this is that the Republicans in the House Oversight Committee in May they sent out a request for all the communications between the federal agency and the contractors endeavor. They've yet to receive it. Now, my point is, is with the city, given the background that we now know about endeavors, the city should have the city auditor and general counsel conduct a review of ethics in regard to endeavors no bid contract and potential improprieties. Gotcha. And, and and this, I mean, as far as the transparency again goes, what uh, what where do we go with this? I mean, if people, well, if people I, want I, to know... If, well, the only thing that I think that we could do is, is if we don't get that contract and they keep stonewalling, you know, on the uh, migrant center, what we can do is file an ethics complaint with the state of Texas. Right. 
right. you know, for noncompliance of the Open Records Act, let alone a no-bid contract. And, and, and how they got the contract through with the city council is, is they stuck it on a consent agenda, and they made the city council ratify all the contracts, including this one. So no one had any scrutiny, and the public wasn't even aware of it. So um, how much longer are you willing to wait until you file an ethics complaint or something? I mean, how long ha- are you willing to wait on uh, them responding or reacting or some kind of fashion? I, I would say at least another 30 days out of courtesy to, to see what happens. But if they don't give the contract, that tells me that they don't want to share it. There's a reason for it. <laughs> you know, right? So, you think? Yeah. You know, yeah, you think? So one of the other things we need to talk about is the uh, Interface Welcome Coalition. Yes. That's another player in all this. And Now, the- let's briefly explain to folks who the Interface Welcome Coalition is. Well, they're the ones that are that are routing the migrants through the airport and to the uh, bus station, the Grace, uh, you know, downtown. And I've noticed that, you know, in the, in the airport, they have these little blue bags, kind of like an H-E-B bag, but it's blue. And it has a stamp on it. They've even branded the, the uh, bags that they put their goods in with that IWC logo, which is kind of ironic. They're, they're not a business. They're a charity. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting, according to their website, they've been in business from 2012. And up to 2019, they were not a validly legally organized entity in the state of Texas, let alone a charity. So April the 1st of 2019, they filed for their charity exemption as well as filed with the state of Texas as a nonprofit corporation. Six weeks later, the city gave them a $144,000 grant. In other words, George, they're the alter ego of the city. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. And, and how do they operate? I mean, where do they, uh, what, uh, how do you consider that an alter ego? Well, you know, you think with a charity, and it's supposedly this interface with all these religious organizations, you think the seed money would come from the churches. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in the Openers Records Act that I just got a response back the other day, the city says they've never given them a grant. But when you go to the website, yeah, they do give grants. <laughs> So I, I think that's kind of ironic that they, they didn't do their homework correct. But uh, it's it, it's real interesting that they're out there as a major player in all this. Now, all of this money that we've been talking about, is it is it, it it's all taxpayer money, I suppose, right? Yeah, and IWC is also, you know, in the inkwell as well, because according to them, uh, any money that they buy... Uh, bus tickets or airline fare, they get reimbursed by FEMA as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Because, I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that we've got all these people crossing the border. Uh, You and I have been out doing uh, a series of uh, interviews. Virtually everybody, and I can't think of anyone that we did interview, uh, is an economic refugee, so they're not going to qualify for asylum. Uh, They all... Uh, are folks who are headed to various parts of the country. Uh, we uh, know that uh, they are penniless, yet it's very, very interesting that they've got money, that their tickets are being paid for. They claim uh, by, uh, by relatives, uh, but we don't know, um, you know where the relatives got the money or did they really just, you know, did the relatives buy the, buy the tickets, et cetera, et cetera. We are watching the colonization of America. Absolutely. You know, the other thing is, is who's buying their cell phones? Because we've heard in some of the interviews that the cartel took away their cell phones, yet they're sitting at the airport with a brand new cell phone. Correct. Correct. That's, uh, you know, there are so many questions there. And once they arrive at their, you know, we are hearing New York and D.C. screaming to high heaven as these buses arrive from Texas and how they are ending up at homeless shelters. Is that the situation that we're watching with all these other ones? Or are they, do they have sponsors at the other end? Uh, uh, their families, how, supposedly their families are going to help them. Are their families going to receive any type of assistance, uh, et cetera? Yeah, I, I really don't know. You know, what, what they're doing in New York now that they've been up there, I've got a friend of mine that lives in New York, who's been a guest speaker on Fox, he says let them go up there, and, and now they want to leave New York. <laughs> so, so that tells you they don't have sponsors, and they're looking to go to another city that's more advantageous. Uh, 
you know, one of the things before we go is, is th- there's a group called the Federation of American Immigration Reform. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. And they have a, it's kind of like a McDonald's. You remember they have McDonald's like a million hamburgers served? Correct. <laughs> well, they, they, have, they have a counter on their website. It says illegal border crossings today. So they track the border crossings. And as of today, we've had already 3,872 border crossings. Incredible. Amazing. That, at the current rate, by the time we finish today, we're just going to be over 5,000 crossings today alone. Incredible. I mean, you know, today, uh, since the program is airing on Saturday, today is Wednesday, August 17th, and it's only uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, so heaven knows what it will be at 6 this evening. <laughs> oh, my well, God. eventually they can put up an annual, cal- an annual counter on the calendar and it'd be the millions of hamburgers sales, right? Millions of uh, illegal crossings. Well, we will continue to follow up. We will continue to to uh, to get you on the on the show to talk a little bit more about uh, family endeavors and uh, the uh, interfaith uh, welcome coalition and the other non profit supposedly players that are making millions of dollars off of the this this uh, uh, invasion. Thank you very much, Bob. Alrighty, George. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Sal Martinez, who has been on the on our show before, but uh, Sal is uh, the author of NARC, Convictions of an Undercover Agent, and uh, he's all he was also on the premiere of uh, the uh, show of the National Geographic program, uh, Locked Up Abroad, uh, Mexican Cartel Takedown, and uh, so he has a lot of knowledge. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, with the cartels and the cartel fight, the cartel battles that have broken out. Uh, they've been always killing each other, but uh, now they seem to be uh, in an open war. Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, Thank you, what, George. What does this mean? What does this cartel war mean to us? How, how, what's going on? And uh, and uh, how does it affect us? How, why should we be concerned about it? George, would well, you happen to catch me while I'm over here in El Paso, my hometown? Uh, I happened to uh, come in yesterday, and uh, well, the first thing I got was to talk to my sources out here, and it seems like the there's some two factions that are battling each other and has spread throughout Mexico, but it actually began in the local prison where there was a dispute uh, over control of the prison and it spilled out into the streets the word got out to the gangs and then the, the word's getting out to uh, throughout Mexico regarding the, the, the control of the drug trafficking uh, shipments coming through Juarez, Ciudad Juarez is here we, we call it the sister city of El Paso uh, but the, 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 the reason this is important to Texans uh, primarily is because these groups are also located throughout Texas, so the word is going to get down. There's going to be some uh, hits on uh, rival gangs throughout Texas. And again, you might a lot of people who may not know about the uh, the names of these little small factions won't understand. They just think it's just another drug-related incident. But no, it's very serious because the major shipments of cocaine come through Ciudad Juarez, uh, and and unfortunately, a lot of it filters in throughout the cities of Texas. Now, we have seen before, uh, or, or should we say ongoing, disputes between the Mexican Mafia, La Familia, and other uh, Mexican gangs, uh, not to mention, you know, just the regular street battles that go on. Uh, do you think that uh, these uh, folks have connections to these cartels in Mexico and thus will, um, will also carry on the fight here in our streets? I, I believe so. I think when I was working back in the 90s, uh, 
Amado Carrillo Fuentes and uh, Chapo Guzman and all these other large cartels, uh, they were in control of the violence and 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 the directed hits towards rival gangs or somebody who who was responsible for a loss of a shipment. Now it's, it's got to the point where there's a lot of small factions of these young kids that have no scruples, no morals. They do uh, random uh, hits on, on, on innocent civilians, and it's sickening to hear uh, it on a daily basis. Uh, for example, the, these uh, cartels that are somewhat in control, uh, again, have splintered groups that are causing the chaos and, and a lack of control. And law enforcement, uh, as inept as they are over here, in Mexico have no uh, backbone, no political support. And, I, and I, I think it goes back to the to the agenda of these politicians over here, George, that they are not making an effort to establish a, a, a proactive law enforcement in the prosecution, prosecution aspect of it. Nobody's going to prison or getting arrested for, for this, this violence. We have seen, or, I sh- or should I say, I have seen uh, some uh, very disturbing uh, videos uh, that have uh, been sent to me of uh, p- Mexican police officers kneeling in front of uh, the cartel guys. And the cartel guys are literally all dressed up in camouflage with their me- faces covered. I mean, they look like like uh, like uh, military out of Lebanon uh, or, or Iraq or someplace. I mean, they, they, they look very militarized. And they've got this poor, me- poor Mexican police officer kneeling uh, they declare they're going to uh, execute him, but in the meantime, the guy has to confess uh, and uh, and and uh, give names publicly in the uh, in the video before he's executed. Uh, it has is this is this uh, the future of Mexico or is this you know I mean has it really turned into a, into a narco state? I believe it is a narco state. Uh, a lot of these tactics were used in the Middle East, uh, you know, and, and uh, a lot of like it was attached to a lot of Americans. But uh, uh, the Americans need to be aware that these tactics will be used here in our streets inevitably because these cartels are are uh, are polluting our streets with with uh, tons of uh, illicit drugs and and fentanyl is definitely poisoning a lot of. Uh, first-time users and but so back to the violence uh, regarding uh, the tactics i mean they're using drones to 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 attack their rival uh, locations they're using military personnel or ex-military personnel and as for the law enforcement aspect sure they're just uh they're goats compared to what uh, the drug cartels have in military uh, weaponry you know the, uh, i have been uh, watching and reporting on my old podcasts uh, ten years ago, I started reporting about the cartel and about the uh, the illegal immigration that was starting to uh, trickle up. Now we've got thousands of people coming in. Uh, how many of these people are connected to the drug to the cartel? I keep wondering. And uh, you know, are they going to turn around and, and provide assistance in some form or fashion to these cartels? I think you brought up a great point, George. Uh, the we don't know exactly who is connected uh, with the cartels during these uh, flood, the flooding of immigration over here. We don't know how many out of the, let's see, a thousand, maybe there's four or five that are involved, and, and those four or five can cause chaos here uh, in the United States. Uh, we'll never be able to know until later on, once they've been established and they've contacted their, their people in Mexico and say, hey, I'm over here in Chicago, I'm over here in San Antonio, I'm over here in Dallas. So then at that point, then the the connections of drug cartels uh, will, will, will continue to expand here in the United States with this immigration problem. You know, uh, one thing that I really want to bring up is that because your name is Sal Martinez and because uh, you are of Hispanic descent, uh, it was obvious that the DEA, DEA could use you uh, in Mexico in a covert manner. On the other hand, uh, we have millions of Hispanics in the United States in communities. Uh, can't the uh, cartels use the, the new uh, immigrants uh, to hide in the Hispanic community? I believe so, and that's where I think that we won't know until it might be weeks, months, years before uh, the adverse effects of this immigration uh, problem uh, is uh, is uh, evaluated. Uh, again, many of them are, are 
have not don't have any opportunities in their third world countries and, and I throw the blame back on their politicians in those countries those people in those countries need to go on and establish an infrastructure to keep those people over there give them jobs uh, you know, develop their economy and the United States George continues to flood those countries with, with billion dollar aid packages but it's, they're, these, they're, they're corrupt so all the people receiving the money over there these governments are, are, are pocketing the money and not helping their people so the flow of people will be continue to come in until those we put pressure on those politicians in those third world countries to get themselves uh, together that they allow their people their citizens to to run away and come over here and hide in the united states you got it um before i let you go tell us about your book uh i think people would be very very interested in uh in uh learning what you have to say and what you observed you know, you mentioned earlier that I was working for the DEA here in El Paso, my hometown, uh, and being uh, there was only three Hispanics uh, in this in the city of an RDA office. Nobody was uh, in the U.S. government working in Ciudad Juarez back in the '90s. And uh, Amado Carrillo Fuentes was uh, the Lord of the Skies. He was a major drug trafficker that controlled the cartel here. So I had to penetrate the organization. I did it uh, covertly. Uh, I had uh, special teams of Mexican cops and uh, the United States government gave me the green light, do whatever I needed to do down here. And uh, we did a lot of effective uh, law enforcement uh, intel gathering. And and, and after uh, the turn of the century, things became very chaotic. Amado uh, was was killed. And, and next thing you know, we have a lot of uh, unruly uh, thugs controlling this city that has so much potential with the maquilladoras. And, the, you know, we had a lot of international drug trade. Um, in a drug trade, international business trade with them, and uh, it was there was so much potential. And unfortunately, Ciudad Juarez is one of the most dangerous cities in the world. And, and I'm looking outside my hotel room into that city that I used to go to and go to the dog races, the horse races. Uh, we would go out and eat uh, uh, for a few dollars, and it was just a great thing. If you ever came into El Paso, you had to cross over to Juarez. Now, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I was li- when I was younger, when I was little, my family used to go across uh, to Nuevo Laredo, and we we will never do that. <laughs> I don't think we will ever do that. That's in the same boat. Um, Sal, thank you very very much for taking time to talk to us, my friends. We've been speaking with our with uh, our good friend Sal Martinez, who is author of Narc: Convictions of a, of an Undercover Agent. I've got a cu- I've got a copy of it. You would love it. It reads fantastic. Scary, but it reads fantastic. <laughs> and George, also, yeah, I was I was called by London. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Also, I was I had a call from London one day, and this young lady says, I'm with Raw Productions up here in London. Would you like to come up here and tell us your story? An extraordinary story. I said, okay, now, is this a joke? She says, no, we want you to be our season premiere. I'm locked up abroad. Uh, and and uh, I said, that's about it, uh, you know, people get arrested in a foreign country so no you have a great story it's extraordinary so so they ended up uh, doing a one-hour program on uh, locked up abroad mexican cartel takedown and it can be seen on youtube and you and hulu and uh but anyways it's a drop in the bucket of what i used to do and and uh, and, uh somewhat of uh, the story that goes on over here in ciudad Juarez, uh, george but again thank you so much for for uh, having me on your show you're doing a great job george you got it thank you very very much once again my friends george rodriguez El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones. I had to get him on again because uh, Jason is a, um, uh, he's an expert. He is a former Texas DPS official. He is also uh, a uh, reporter for Newsmax now. I wanted to get him on because of the uh, uh, the chaos, the war that has developed between the cartels in Mexico, and um, what that means to the border, as well as to the United States in general. Um, Jason, welcome to the show. I, I just was watching the video that you sent, or the two videos that you sent, of these uh, kidnapped police officers, Mexican police officers, who are literally naming names of their own families. Uh, in a way, in, uh, I guess, to intimidate the families. And uh, they uh, are probably going to be executed. Uh, tell us about what is going on in Mexico, this war that has erupted in Mexico. I mean, it's been an ongoing battle between these 
major cartels, but now it's just like an open war. Well, George, it's great to be with you. And as you know, I have warned and warned and warned this government uh, and the, uh, what is coming and that we have to take what is happening in Mexico very seriously because Mexico has degraded into a narco state. And that's why I've been trying to get these cartels designated as foreign terrorist organizations since I retired. I mean, I started the entire process, and yet here we are five years later, and our government still refuses what needs to be done. Let me talk about what's happening here. On last Tuesday, the government of Mexico used Sedano forces to go after an individual known as Double R, uh, along with his associates who were conducting a meeting in Jalisco. During that meeting, it's believed that the government of Mexico was able to take double R into custody. He is the third ranking member of Cartel Jalisco New Generation, known as CJNG. This is the second largest cartel in Mexico. It is considered the most hyper-violent cartel, and they are operating in 48 countries around the world. Now, when this operation occurred, simultaneously that evening, CJNG operatives in the three states of Baja, California, the state of Jalisco, and the state of Guanajuato attacked. In Jalisco alone, they did 40 offensive attacks, including burning down over 25 businesses, 14 roadblocks setting cars on fire, and in one weekend alone, executing 196 citizens that we know of that are, that are being reported publicly by Mexican journalism. This is where we are. This is just one state in the city of Tijuana, which is in Baja, California, right up against our border with California. It was so bad there, the violence, that the Mexican government had to bring in 300 elements of military just to secure the international airport there. This is where we are with these cartels, and you have heard me talk about the evolution of them. Double R is the head of the enforcement wing of what is known as the elite group. It's uh, one of the most violent sicario groups in Mexico, and he runs their global operations for their enforcement wing. So this is an example of what happens when you go after one man who is the number three in charge of a major cartel. Now, second, you've got to ask the question when anyone briefs you on something like this, what is the why? What's the so what? Why would the cartel go on a rampage in not one but three different states? The answer is because of what they saw in 2019 when you witnessed Sedena forces, an elite group, go after and arrest uh, a member of the Los Chapitos of the Sinaloa cartel known as Avidio Guzman, the son of Chapo Guzman. And if you remember correctly, the city of Culiacan erupted, and AMLO, the president of Mexico, was forced to release him back into back, uh, the hands of the Sinaloa cartel. That's exactly why what is happening is occurring right now, because CJNG learned that if you apply enough pressure to the government of Mexico, the president will relent. And right now, we don't know if Double R has been released. But I can tell you this, the Mexican government is now claiming that they never had him in custody. But yet cities in three different states are burning. Incredible. And yet the U.S. and you hear nothing from the United States government. You hear nothing from most of the media. I I was on national media all day yesterday trying to get this out. Uh, I'm going to be on again today. But this is what is really happening, George. And the question you now need to ask is why won't the government do something? And I'll tell you. It doesn't look good when your number one trading partner, which is Mexico, is having so many problems in their country. And I'm not about bashing Mexico. I'm about being honest and saying that this is why we have an overdose epidemic in this country of 107,000 dead Americans from fentanyl and methamphetamine. CJNG is the, the largest producer of methamphetamine in Mexico. They are the second largest producer of fentanyl only to Sinaloa cartel. Incredible. So uh, these situations that we've got right now, I mean, uh, like you pointed out, that in Culhuacan, the the government, the president literally backed down from arresting or or holding because they had already arrested the the cartel second in command, the son of the cartel. And um, they, uh, I mean, now they are kidnapping police officers uh, I would imagine they're going to execute them 
all because they are sending messages that they are in control. Uh, how should the United States respond? I mean, without the federal government being involved. I mean, at this point, the Biden administration is asleep at the wheel. How do we locally respond? How does the state of Texas respond? Well, let, let me first hit it at what the solution is here. It, we have done nothing to these cartels over the years. The only real offensive action that was taking place was great work by DEA, Texas DPS, the United States Marshal Service, and a unit known as SAMAR, which are the Mexican Marines, to go after the Los Zetas. That was the most offensive action working under the Calderon administration and working under the Nieto administration in collaboration. And I can speak to those operations very clearly because I was involved in them in, in sharing intelligence to help go after these people. And I've built programs, and I know them very, very well. And this is exactly what I've been warning. Right now, what you have to recognize is that CJMG and CDG, Cartel de Gafo, are basically one cartel in and of the same. This is why Texas has been feeling the pressure from fentanyl so badly. Luckily, these operations have not culminated uh, close to us right now. They're, they're still very far off. Now, what's happening in Juarez specifically is separate. That's between La Lina. There's been a lot of violence in Juarez the last week as well. Most of that is linked to La Lina and Sinaloa uh, cartel who are battling internally. But this problem where we're seeing it right now is really not a Texas issue. Uh, it's a national issue. And the cartels have to know that what they have done has gone beyond any boundaries, not only in the killing of Americans through the weaponization of fentanyl and methamphetamine, but what they're doing in Mexico, but also, George, around the world. They are not a U.S.-Mexico problem only. They are a global problem. You would be amazed at their operations in Australia, in Russia, and in Europe. This is why CJNG, an almost unknown cartel, rose to power so quickly, so fast, because they could make much more money selling their product of methamphetamine cocaine and fentanyl to Europeans, to Australians, and to Russians. And so they've expanded the global market, but yet the American people have no idea. So when you hear me say that what we're seeing at our border and involved with these cartels on the national security side is the largest U.S. intelligence failure since 9-11, people usually laugh at me and go, what are you talking about? This was planned. Well, the reason they look at it that way is because most people look at the border through how they're shown the border from the media, through immigration. But you have to remember that is one layer of failure. When you break down these layers, George, you see the totality of what's taking place with the human trafficking, the human smuggling, the pursuits. This is the failure of our nation. And yet you hear nothing from the executive leadership under the current administration, what they're going to do to protect the American people. Absolutely nothing. It seems to me that so much effort or focus, uh, attention, whatever word you want to use, is given to the illegal aliens crossing the border, the pictures of people coming across the river. However, nothing is said about what happens to them once they're across and into our communities or what is happening on the other side of the river uh, to encourage them coming, to help them come, uh, as well as uh, the syndicates that, uh, and I will call them syndicates, uh, that are uh, exploiting and, and uh, helping to bring them across. That's absolutely right. I mean, the human trafficking and human smuggling operations of these alien smuggling organizations who are directly for the cartels in the United States, pushing them further and further north. You know, I've been trying to get this out for some time. Most media goes to the border. They are able to see people cross. They stick a microphone in their face, and they hear it through one single lens. Here's the problem with that, is that you're hearing it from the migrant's perspective. What you don't hear is because of what is happening is what the federal government is dealing with because they do not allow the media to embed with Border Patrol. They do not allow the media to embed with DEA. And so you have no transparency. And look, without transparency, you have no accountability. And so this is part of the problem right now. And that's why when I go down and I embed with state and local law enforcement, I'm able to give you a perspective of the impacts to the American people. And I would only, I only know to do this, George, because I'm a retired law enforcement officer. I mean, I was a captain. I, I was stationed on that border in 
uh, in El Paso as a trooper, on the border in Brazil as a narcotics agent, and as a lieutenant as the war broke out between the Zetas and the Gulf, and then as a captain in, in Intel and Counterterrorism Division. And I am telling you, this failure is monumental. And it is only going to be realized once we have some real transparency showing the folks the level of impact to their country. Because part of the problem is I can only give you these one-offs and I can go down there to that border and I can show it to you, but I can't show it to you in data because the FBI has not updated their system in so long, it doesn't even collect it. Their newest system known as DIVERS, National Incident-Based Reporting System, finally captures at least 52 new index crimes. But the impact we feel from transnational crime is absolutely unprecedented and is spreading across this country at you know levels we've never seen before. You got it. It is it is very disturbing and very depressing to hear all of this, you know. But um, it's the reality. The truth hurts. Anything else you'd like to uh, share with us before we let you go, buddy? Absolutely. One thing I want everyone to know is don't think for a second that this isn't fixable. And don't believe for a second that all Republicans have it figured out, because I can tell you right now they do not. We have to illuminate what has really been happening at that border, what is happening in Mexico, and provide solutions. But it is absolutely fixable. And once we designate these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, that's when you know the tripwire has been tripped to start beginning the process, because we do not have the authorities to do what needs to be done. What you are seeing take place right now in Mexico is what a parallel government looks like. And U.S. law enforcement cannot take that on alone. Thanks for having me, George. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've got uh, our good buddy, Mr. Jason Jones, talking to us from Newsmax and former uh, DPS official. Thank you very much, Jason, for taking time and more than anything else for uh, getting out there and learning the truth. Great to be with you, buddy. Always good. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Folks, we just have enough time to say thank you for joining us today. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. We ask you to please continue to support us and to uh, go to the bookstore, buy our book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions. And by all means, if you want to uh, hear somebody speaking directly about the issue, invite me. I will come out. Uh, Until next time, my friends, thank you very much for joining us. El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.